as we looked at the creed, uh, as great as it is, and as good as it is to summarize and as to kind of start someone in the faith, remember it was written as a baptismal formula, like we don't baptize those who don't profess faith. Like we might invite anybody to come to church, we might sit and have a meal with anyone, we might even kind of serve communion to anyone, but baptism is something that is um, part of the confession, right? You confess or you profess your faith in Jesus and then you're baptized. And so the creed was used just that way. You say, do you believe in God the Father Almighty? And they would say, yes, I believe in God the Father Almighty, right? And once you make it through the three articles of the creed, we would say, yeah, they're a Christian and we're baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. But having gone through the creed, it begs this question, what else is there? And the creed When it gets to Jesus, and even though Jesus takes up, the second article of the creed takes up the majority of it, um, listen to how it introduces Jesus. It says, I believe in Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. Now, something happened in between being born of the Virgin Mary and suffering under Pontius Pilate. Do you know what happened during that time? The entire life of Jesus, right? The entire earthly life of Jesus kind of gets skipped over in the creed. Like it kind of, it it, uh, assumes the, the case, right? The creed does, but it kind of skips over that. So we want to tell the good news of Jesus. We want to tell the story of Jesus, of his life, of his ministry, Look, there is no clearer picture of who God is. Like Jesus is the truest and the clearest manifestation, representation of who God is. Like if you want to know who God is, look at Jesus. If you you think something about God, if you read something about God, and somehow it doesn't sound like Jesus, then you're off the mark, right? If anybody's impression, anybody's imagination doesn't quite fit who Jesus is, then they're not kind of matching the God of Scripture. So as, as the God, the one true God, the God Almighty, the God that created, the, the God that we say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of earth, that God, that God starts to get revealed, right, through creation and to humanity. But ultimately, that God gets revealed in Jesus. So when we say, I believe in Jesus Christ, we believe in Jesus, and we believe in the one in whom Jesus believed, right? We believe in the Father of Jesus. And we believe in the Spirit, the one who kind of rests upon Jesus and empowers Jesus, right? Jesus, as we're told in the first uh, chapter of Mark's Gospel, is the Spirit baptizer. Jesus is the very giver of the Spirit. So... Uh, Let's think about it like this. Um, Over the next 16 weeks, we're going to be telling the good news. We want to share good news, like this good news. That was a great story out of Arlington, Texas, wasn't it? Yeah, that was fantastic. We want to share good news like that. We want to share good news uh, about each other. Um, uh, There is, in the seat backs in in front of you, these little um, cards. And they said, good news cards. And we want you to kind of periodically kind of fill those out. And you can put them in the offering boxes in the back or at the info desk. Uh, But tell us the good news that's going on in your life. It could be something as simple as your shrubs are looking good. Maybe you were working on them in the summer 
and you finally defeated the, the weeds, right? If, if by chance one of those weeds you defeated was kutsu, please come and see me uh, because that stuff is straight from the pit of hell and I can't seem to get rid of it. <laughs> but uh, maybe you got a new job or, or, or maybe you've overcome something in your life or, or, or may, maybe you, you got a raise or, or maybe you repaired a relationship with a long lost friend. Well, whatever the good news is, we would like to hear about it because we want to share it. So as we share good news in general, and as we share our good news, the sermons will focus on the good news of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus lived, right? He taught things. He healed folks who were sick. He delivered folks who were captive. He walked on water. He calmed storms. He fed the hungry. He, he taught lessons that if we would follow them, would not just transform ourselves, but uh, through us and the power of the Spirit, it would transform our families, our communities, and indeed the entire world, right? And that's the stories that we're interested in telling, and that's the stories we're interested in hearing, and that's the stories we're interested in, in um, perpetuating. So this is how the Gospel of Mark begins. It says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, or the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, we say Jesus Christ. That's not like Jesus and Christ is like his last name, right? I've made that joke before. He's not the son of Mary and Joseph Christ. Jesus is his name. Christ is a title, probably best described maybe as king, Jesus the king, because Christ, or its synonym, Messiah, means anointed one, and anointed to be king. So it's saying that Jesus is going to play this role, this royal role. So that's the first thing it says about Jesus. Jesus, the Messiah. Then it says, Son of God. What's interesting about that is, in the very first verse, uh, very first sentence, this, the beginning of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, we know these two things about Jesus. One, that he's going to be the king, and two, that he's going to be the Son of God. However, as we enter into the narrative, as we enter into the story, it's as though all the characters in the story don't know this. Like, they don't seem to know who Jesus is. They're unaware of what the reader has been told, or in this case, the hearers have been told in the gospel. They're trying to figure out who he is. Sometimes he's called Mr., sometimes he's called Sir, sometimes he's called Rabbi or Teacher, sometimes he's called Prophet. They're, they're trying to figure out who is this guy. And about halfway through the story, which will take us, you know, about the end of September, we'll get there. About halfway through the story, he says to his closest followers, who do people say that I am? And, and in that story, one of them speaks up and says, well, you're the one, you're the king, you're the Christ. You're the one that we've been waiting for, right? And so that, that kind of cat's out of the bag. Now, what's interesting, it's as though every single character in the story after that point now knows that part about Jesus. Like it had been hidden and now, boom, it's out here. It's out in the open. And so that kind of shifts the story. They're on the move now. They've been camping out in Galilee, having a good time. But now that they've kind of announced his candidacy, you have to move to D.C. Oh, no, excuse me. You have to move to Jerusalem. And so the story moves south to Jerusalem, and they take the candidacy of Jesus as the king, and they take it to the capital city, and boom, it blows up. 
It's real exciting. You need to stick around for that. That'll be sometime in October. But things get real dicey with the, with the life of Jesus at that point. And then we know how the story ends because that's the part of the story where the creed picks back up, right? He was crucified, dead, and buried. So by the time we're getting back around to the part of the creed, it's actually when Jesus was on the cross. This is in Mark chapter 15. We'll be in like mid-November by this point. Jesus is on the cross, and it's a Roman soldier who has just crucified Jesus that says, surely this is the Son of God. And so the two primary confessions about Jesus that we as readers of the gospel know from the very opening, like the title of the book, this is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. So we know those two things about him, right? That he's the Messiah and that he's Son of God. We don't find out the first one in the story until halfway through. And we don't find out about the last one until the very end. So it's Peter who confesses him as Messiah. And it's a Roman soldier of all people who confesses him as the Son of God. So I encourage you. I, I know we have busy lives and uh, there are lots of other things that we might do on a Sunday morning. But I encourage you as often as you can to be here and hear about this good news of Jesus as we make our way through the Gospel of Mark. And again, we'll hear about healings and about exorcisms and about miracles that have to do with calming the storm and walking on the water and feeding the 5,000 and, and parables and all sorts of uh, good teachings, very challenging stuff, but things that we can live by, uh, things that we can share, things that will give us life, this good news. So there's just a handful of things in chapter 1, which chapter 1 of the Gospel of Mark kind of serves like an introduction to the whole Gospel, and we'll let this sermon kind of serve as an introduction to the series, The Good News with Mark the Evangelist. And so there are a few things to kind of lay the, the ground rules, to kind of lay an introduction as to what's going on and to Jesus uh, that happens in Mark 1. And we'll just kind of walk our way through that. So it opens up, as, I, as we said, this is the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And Mark tells us that Isaiah, this is a prophet from 800 years earlier, that Isaiah had said that when the time would come for the Deliverer, for the Messiah to come, that there'd be a voice calling in the wilderness. And you get John the Baptist, who's now on the scene, and people were saying that John was the voice that Isaiah had prophesied about. But here's the difference. There's lots of expectation that a Deliverer might come and deliver them from their oppressors. Now, during the time of Isaiah, that might have been... Um, the, the Syro-Ephraim army, right? But later it might have been the Assyrians, and later it might have been the Babylonians, and after that it might have been the Persians, after that it might have been the Greeks. But at the time that Jesus came, it was certainly the Romans, right? And so everyone has this expectation that this deliverer is going to come, and he's going to deliver this little nation of Israel. But what they probably couldn't expect is that the one who's going to prepare the way is not going to come and say, hey, it's time to sharpen your swords and sharpen your spears because we're going to have some independence, right? Revolution. Instead, we get this prophet coming out of the wilderness saying, repent of your sins. Get baptized. Like, that's, that's an odd way to start a story. 
I mean, we're, we're expecting the king. I, I'm expecting deliverance. I'm expecting some healing. I'm expecting some financial success. Repent. So John baptizes for repentance of sins. And then it says Jesus came and was baptized. That was a little bit of an embarrassment for the early church. Like there were lots of other early Christian documents that tried to explain away the fact that Jesus got baptized. Mark doesn't do any explanation. He just says John the Baptist baptized for repentance of sins and Jesus came and got baptized. So whatever questions you might have about why would Jesus need to get baptized, maybe go read the Gospel of the Hebrews or um, some other Gospel perhaps that tries to explain the difficulty of that away. But Mark doesn't do that for us. What Mark does is this. Jesus gets baptized and as he comes up out of the water, it says that the heaven is torn apart in the baptism. The heavens are torn apart. It's exactly the same language that's used at the creation in Genesis. It's, it's a word that we get, um, it's the same word that we get schizophrenia from, to be kind of torn, to be separated from. The heavens are torn apart. This is in the same way that in the beginning, this chaos was is where we started and we came toward order. This is now torn again. And this is the baptism of Jesus. This is a new beginning. Not just a new beginning. This is not just new in the sense of new for Jesus or new for Israel. This is going to be new for the entire cosmos. You know, the word new, uh, or the word news, is actually just the plural of new. Like, that's where it originated. Like, what's new? Like, what's multiple new things? It would be the news. Um, I thought that news stood for north, east, west, and south. I'd been told that, that it was an acronym for the points on the compass. I looked that up, and apparently that's just a myth. <laughs> that is not actually the etymology of the word news. But interestingly enough, uh, the, the etymology of news is just the plural of new. So apparently it was some, somebody from New England that came up with that. Like, you know how they do you and use, right? And new and news. Yeah. So this is news. This is, this is the new thing that the very skies get torn apart. And, and the Spirit descends on Jesus. The, the descension of the Spirit is the very anointing of Jesus. Like Jesus might have been born uh, the divine son of God. Not that Mark tells us about that, right? That's only in Matthew and Luke. But Jesus kind of becomes the Christ. That the Christ means to be anointed, means for the spirit to come upon, to empower you for some service. And this is particular service that Jesus is being empowered for is to, is to be the king, not just the king of Israel but the king of kings, right? And this is the story of the spirit coming upon him. And immediately it says, and, and Mark, Mark loves that word immediately, kind of drives the story real quick, and immediately this happened, and immediately that happened. But it says when he was baptized, immediately the spirit drove him into the wilderness to be tempted. Now what's interesting about Mark's account of this story, and we'd only know this if we had 
Luke and Matthew to compare it to, is that there's no, there's no story about the tempter coming, about this temptation, about Jesus' responses. In fact, there's not even an account of fasting, which I kind of like that. I'm going to go with like Mark's version of the story because, you know, feasting is a good thing. Fasting, I'm going to have to struggle with a little bit. But in Mark's account of the temptation, there's no, there's no account of fasting. Like all we get is this. It says he's out there for 40 days. He's tempted. He's with the wild animals. That's an interesting piece of trivia. And the angels come and minister to him. With the wild animals. That's nice. So, I mean, what in the world is that for? Like, of all the things to include in a story, like if you're going to tell the temptation of Jesus, and you're not going to tell the actual temptations, and you're not going to tell the conversation between Jesus and the tempter, and you're not going to have Jesus quoting scripture and all, but you are going to include he was with the wild animals. So you might imagine that's caused a, a bit of a conundrum for interpreters for forever, right? What in the world is Mark trying to tell us about the wild animals? So some have said that the angels are there to kind of protect him from the wild animals. I think that's a bit of a stretch. About the time that Mark was being written, there were Christians who were um, being threatened by wild animals. So it wasn't the Colosseum that would be built later. So some of these stories get conflated. But there were amphitheaters that sometimes Christians were being put in and they were facing uh, wild animals. And so the fact that Jesus was with the wild animals was maybe trying to identify with that. But I don't think that's the case. I think the story, and the story's moving pretty quickly, but the story that we were just told is this story that the very heavens are being torn apart, that Jesus is this new beginning. And the, the, the original Adam, right, when he was in the garden and there were wild animals, they were at peace. Isaiah's vision of the new heaven and new earth has the fox or the wolf uh, laying down with the lamb and the lion eating hay like an ox, right? There's this idea of a peaceful kingdom, of, of complete shalom of the peace of the city and the land. And so I think this is the idea, that this, this new one, this one who's going to change the way we live, not just kind of save us and kind of rescue us, but transform us. The one who's going to come and show us how we really are supposed to be human. Like what's the ultimate way to flourish as a human being and to live in the world? Um, Last week, as we ended our Ancient Future series, Phil was talking about um, what we would hope the next life to be like. And he's like, he kind of made the joke, you know, we all want to go to heaven, but no one's in a hurry to get there, right? But then he said this, he says, imagine if you woke up uh, tomorrow and there was no more pain in the world and there was no more sickness in the world and there was no more hatred or bitterness in the world. And everyone could do something that they loved and that contributed and that flourished and that families could grow and that people would be healed and that everything would be right. That's where we're headed. 
And that's what I think's already started in the story of Jesus. He's out there even with the wild animals. And when he comes back, he says this. <clears throat> it's it's Jesus' good news. No, yeah, it's Jesus' good news. Now, sometimes when we say gospel, which means good news, we kind of do the creed thing and we jump over the whole story of Jesus to the end of the story, right, that talks about his uh, death, burial, and resurrection, right? It's a very kind of Christ-centered way to tell the gospel about the effect of the life and teaching of Christ. But it, it fast-forwards a bit, a bit too quickly maybe, right? So when we say gospel or good news, and we do that kind of turn that says, well, Jesus was crucified, dead, and buried. He was quickened, raised, and seated, and he's coming back as judge. That is the gospel, but, the, but there was a gospel before the gospel. <laughs> the gospel before the gospel was that Jesus was actually living on earth, and he was living a life that was full of life, and he had things to say that we should listen to. And he did things that we should pay attention to. And we, have, we should have some expectation that the same spirit that animated Jesus is animating us so that we too can tell those, those types of stories and we can do those types of things. So this is what Jesus said was the good news. It says, Mark says this, Jesus came announcing the good news, comma, quote, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe this good news. Jesus came preaching the good news, announcing the good news, and this is how Jesus would say it. The kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe that this is good news for you. That's, that's the good news of Jesus. Like, even before we get to the end, right? Like, you'll see, we'll see next week especially, Jesus goes around forgiving people's sins like it's nothing. Like, um, hey, sinner, you're forgiven. Uh, come and eat with me. Well, what are you, what are you doing? Right? Who, who do you think you are? It's not like forgiveness was an unknown quantity in, uh, in Jewish culture or Jewish religion. They knew all about forgiveness. And they knew who forgiveness came from, right? It came from God. They knew how to get forgiveness. He went through the sacrificial system. But now you got this rabbi walking around in Galilee saying, I forgive you. <laughs> Let's have lunch. Right? Like, like, like Jesus is, is uh, operating at kind of a, another level. Right? He's, he's, he's got good news that's happening right here, right now. Right? We can't discount kind of this part of the story because this part of the story is good because Jesus is good. Right? This is the one we serve. This is the one we're following. Right? So this, this is that good news. And so, if I would just back up a bit and borrow from, from Matthew, uh, just, just a little bit. Um, the good news is that the kingdom's at hand. What does the kingdom look like? The kingdom looks like blessed are the poor and blessed are the meek and blessed are those who get persecuted. 
And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice. And blessed are those who turn the other cheek and go the second mile and give their coats when they've been sued for their shirts. Blessed are those who don't judge so they won't be judged. Blessed are the ones who love when no one else will love. Blessed are the ones who don't just love their neighbor, but they love their enemies. Blessed are the ones who don't just commit, no, just don't commit murder, but they don't hate. Blessed are the ones, not just who don't commit adultery, but who don't lust. Blessed are those who pour their lives out for others. This is the kingdom that he's inviting us into. This is a way to flourish as a human being. There is a better way to be in this world. And it is the way of Jesus Christ. And that's the good news he was celebrating. And he went to great lengths to express this. Um, There's this uh, healing story in Mark chapter 1. They get back home it says they return to Capernaum, and it's actually returning to like home, like Jesus' house, or at least the place he was staying, right? Because these were just little, little kind of one hut attached to another. They weren't like, um, you know, detached homes like we have nowadays, right? So he gets, he gets home, and they're like bringing all these sick people in, yeah? And, and they're getting healed. And then it says, and Jesus got up early in the morning and he went to pray. Now, I don't get up early in the morning. I, I'm a night person. If you want to get a hold of me, send me a text at 11 p.m. before you send me a text at like 6 a.m. Because I'm not awake at 6 a.m. I'm sleeping. I get things done at night. I've been told all my life that I need to get up and pray early in the morning and, and read my Bible early in the morning. And I stink at getting up in the morning. I got one standing appointment at Fat Jack's at 7.30 on Thursdays. I'm mostly late to that. <laughs> uh, and I'm 47 years old, and I don't think things are going to change very much. So, on the one hand, I'll say this. Um, I'm, I'm not looking to should on you. Uh, you know what that means? Yeah, you should do this, you should do that, you should do the other. Right. Uh-huh. Little humor for uh, yeah, attention's sake, right? All right. I'm not looking, I'm not looking to ought on you. You, you ought to do this. You ought to do that. Yeah? It's not a matter of when, I think. Uh, I think there have been times when people have found things that work, and they thought, oh, this works, so you should do it too. The, the only problem with that is I think spirituality is so personal that having someone else follow your particular steps of spirituality might be like having David, Will, David wear Saul's armor. Like maybe Saul's armor is great for him if he's going off to fight, but it didn't really fit David. It wasn't good for him, right? So, so maybe, there's, maybe five smooth stones is better than a, a, you know, a suit full of armor. So maybe uh, praying in the car or in the shower or staying up late is, is good for one where kind of getting up early is good for another. So it's not like here's a particular path you have to follow this that I'm trying to say. 
But I am saying this. Jesus prayed. Jesus got up early and went alone to pray. Listen, friends. If Jesus, and this, isn't, this is not like a one-off, like, oh, look at that. There's that one spot in all the Bible where Jesus prayed. All the time Jesus is praying. Look, if Jesus is praying all the time to kind of get through the day, what do you think we need to do? We struggle, and, some, and, and that's part of life. But sometimes we struggle, I think, unnecessarily so. Lay your burdens on God. Share your heart with the Lord. Pray. Call out to God. Be aware that God is ever present with you. And God knows you and loves you and wants more for you than you even want for yourself. But just reach out. Pray. Since Jesus got up early in the morning and prayed. There's another story where he kind of cast out a demon. Uh, that might take a little more time to kind of unpack. I'm not sure where you all are in terms of your belief in an enchanted world or not. Um, but certainly that's part of this story, right? There's these people, they're demonized, and Jesus kind of steps up and says, shut up and get out. What's interesting about the story is the demon seems to recognize Jesus. So in Mark and scholarship, this is particularly common in Mark, the Gospel of Mark, not so common in Matthew, Luke, or John. So in Mark and scholarship, this is called the messianic secret. It's what it's referred to. Like, why in the world was Jesus not wanting people to, to know who he was, right? So the demons are like, Son of the Most High, why have you come to, to torment us before our time? And he's like, hush and get out. I got work to do. So there's lots of debate as to why it might happen um, or why Mark kind of told the story kind of this way when the others didn't. Amongst the, the uh, possibilities that I find more convincing uh, is this. Uh, Jesus is trying to share good news. Jesus' good news is not the most palatable thing in the world. Because when, when you say that there's going to be peace, those who make war are not happy. When you say there's going to be economic equality, those who benefit from economic inequality aren't going to be happy. When you say that the, that the religious um, requirements are going to get reorganized so we include the people we have excluded, the religious leaders don't get happy, right? And Jesus may have been born at night, Right? But it wasn't last night. He, he was savvy in that regard. He, he knew his political awareness. I mean, his closest kind of mentor in terms of ministry, public ministry was John the Baptist, his older cousin, right? And, and John had a kind of um, blunt approach to, to the ministry, right? Somebody did something wrong, and he tried to confront them face to face. Stop you sinner, and he's speaking to the king. And do you know how John's story ends? In the not-too-distant future, he gets beheaded, right? So, just imagining how this might have gone. Um, Jesus is a little younger, 
John the Baptist is much more popular, right? He's baptizing. Everybody knows who John the Baptist is, right? So John, and Jesus knows John. He's gone to him to get baptized. John's out there butting heads with everybody and gets his head cut off. And Jesus is like, there's probably a better way to do this. <laughs> so the demons speak up and he's like, shh, not yet. We'll get to that later. A messianic secret. It's, it's an interesting thing. We can debate about it later. But I know this, that the secret's over, right? The cat is out of the bag. And now the gospel is to be proclaimed. The last story in, in this, and this is just, again, a kind of an overview of, of how things will go. Uh, future lessons will be focused more on particular passages. But it ends with a story of Jesus healing a leper. And at the end of that story, he says, go present yourself to the priest. Now, that's an interesting thing to say. Uh, he also tells the leper not to tell anybody else, but just go present yourself to the priest. So that don't tell anybody else seems like it's the same thing like telling the demons to shut up and then telling the leper not to tell anybody about his healing, just go present himself to the priest. What's, what's, what's happening there? Well, again, I think there's a lot of possibilities in how we might interpret that, that kind of movement um, in the narrative. But I'll, I'll tell you this. In the old way, in the old ways of their community working, they sought for a level of purity uh, for inclusion. So if you were blind or deaf or mute, or God forbid you had something contagious like leprosy, you were excluded from, from the tabernacle. Like you were not allowed to come in and worship with the group. And so a healing story in the Gospels, and there's some pretty significant ones, is never simply told as a, a basic healing in the sense of a removal of symptoms or an elongation of life. Because I'm going to tell you a secret. This is going to shock some of you. Every single person that Jesus ever healed died. It's true. Every person that was ever healed by Jesus died. So healing, if we think of healing just as I was sick and now I'm not sick, or I was about to die and then I didn't, but, but then death still comes. I mean, healing is so temporary, almost, almost useless. <laughs> I mean, we, we want to live more, but then, but then none of us do, ultimately. But this is how the healing stories do work, and this is an interesting one here. And it's, it, again, it's kind of layered. This guy who's been healed of leprosy, when he presents himself to the priest, he gets to kind of participate in the whole system, right? He's included. He gets to worship, which previously he wouldn't have been able to. And what's also interesting is here's Jesus, right? And he's telling this Jewish guy, present yourself to the priest. And what's he going to do when he presents himself to the priest? He's going to offer a sacrifice. So it's not like, like Jesus is like, no, 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 stop sacrificing. I'm already here. Right? He kind of meets them where they are. Kind of gently guides them along. 
He tells the leper, look, don't just go run around telling everybody. Go, go present yourself to the priest. Let's get, this, let's get this done. Let's come together. Because this is one of those red threads that get pulled through all of this good news. Is that if the good news is not good for all of us, then it's not good for any of us. That Jesus doesn't just love us because we're here and not there, but he loves everyone. And that we too are called to love everyone. And we're called to share the story of Jesus with them in hopes that they too will come to the table to receive forgiveness, to flourish in their humanity.